It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. If anybody in their right mind is worried about Jalen Brunson translating the next level, then they didn't watch him play. I believe their team is destiny, man. I really do not think that they're going to be denied. Whether it's the fight builds, the birds, the fly guys, the process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. Stop feeding John me to car bombs. Run the ball, control the clock, don't do anything stupid. And John Mita. Kids out there, make sure you practice your free throws. Dear Josh, give me an interview with the Eagles scouting department. I know I can be better. What is up, SoundCloud? What is up, iTunes? It is the Brotherly Love Podcast with John Mita. I am Joe O'Donnell. Thanks for checking us out today and spreading the love and support. You can follow us on Twitter at Love Podcast. Well, Johnny Mita, for the first time in, I don't even know, quite some time, we have some negativity to talk about with the Philadelphia Eagles. Some doom and gloom as the birds fall to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yesterday, 27-21 down in Tampa. Seems to be a house of horrors down there in Tampa, as far as I can remember back, as far as the Eagles going on the road against the Bucks, And uh, they just didn't get it done. And now they are 1-1, one one, like the rest of the NFC East. And I will start with you, my friend. We'll cut right to it. We'll, we'll cut out all the, all the BS, and you just tell me what you thought about Week 2 and the 27-21 loss. It was just... It was just- if there's anything that this game did, it just showed that this football team is very deficient in a couple areas. Um, one of the things that I noticed was our, our corners were getting destroyed, um, specifically Jalen Mills. Now, I know everybody's hating on Jalen Mills, and he's a terrible player. He shouldn't be in the lineup. I think this is the reason why you drafted a guy like Sidney Jones. I know it's early in the game, and I know Jalen has earned a lot of respect, but I would love to see them put Sidney Jones on the outside and then just make make Jalen Mills either, you know, basically like a slot corner or, you know, just maybe a backup because I just think Sidney Jones is that type of player that can play on the outside. He can do it all. He's physical. I, I just – I think the other thing is, too – I mean, my goodness. Nelson Aguilar played his tail off. He was incredible yesterday. It's great to see that last year we saw glimpses of the reasons why he was a first-round draft pick. And yesterday, nobody on that football team played harder than he did. And But if there's one thing that was just so glaring, this team just doesn't have enough talent at the wide receiver position. And then, of course, the shoe drops about 20 minutes ago that's, the New England Patriots have just made a trade for Josh Gordon. But I'll tell you what, we really, I think the Eagles need to look in the mirror. Besides Nelson Aguilar, Mike Wallace goes down to an ankle and looks like a season ankle. Well, it wasn't ankle. He broke his fibula. Um, so, so yeah, we, we, we need some wide receiving help big time. Um, so, that's those are the two things. And I just... God, hey, uh, you know what pains me, Joe? When you see Deshaun Jackson just killing this football team every opportunity he has since he's been released. Um, so that's one of those things that is just awful depressing. 
So it's hard to argue. What with, were your it's hard to argue with the Deshaun Jackson part, especially when it's you know the the catches. It was a typical Deshaun Jackson game. He ends up with like four grabs for you know eight receptions worth of yardage, right around you know a hundred plus yards and the touchdown. Where a lot of guys will be. 9, 10, 11 grabs and get to that 115 range in yardage. That's not him. It's never been him. He's never been a possession receiver. I mean, I would I would venture without looking up the numbers, I don't know, eight catches in a game, maybe the most ever for Deshaun Jackson. He's never been a 10, 12, 13 catch guy most most weeks. He hits you where it hurts. A couple big first down grabs, and he had the deep ball to start the game. And other than that, he wasn't, you know, the top target, but they spread the ball around. The first play is just like, really? Really? Like you, you, The thing that bothered me the most is that they didn't appear ready to play football. It was about as soft of a performance from the Eagles as I can remember since, really, maybe, I don't know, even going back, I guess you got to go two years. Because last year, you know, they showed up in Seattle. They just didn't have it. They lost. They lost to the Chiefs, but I wouldn't say that was a soft performance. They just didn't appear ready to engage physically. The defense was not... Smash mouth defense. Fletcher Cox had a game. Derek Barnett had a decent game. Brandon Graham was pretty much invisible. You mentioned the lack of success they had at the cornerback position. That was spread across the board for the most part outside of a deflected interception. And I just and to be honest, I thought it was the worst game I've seen Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod play in an Eagles uniform. I mean, they just appeared to be slow. They appeared to be late. They didn't appear to want to hit. I mean, when was the last time you saw Malcolm Jenkins not be able to tackle a guy one-on-one? They had There were plays yesterday where there were three and four Eagles around one Buccaneers player. Jenkins was one of them, and the guy wasn't on the ground. And that the O.J. Howard pass where oh, Ronald you, know, Darby. Ronald Darby. You, oh. finally get, you finally tie the game. You finally get some life on the Clement touchdown. They come out the next series. They call timeout before first freaking down, which, first of all, their coaches should be like put on notice for that in the first place. Then they come back after the timeout, and they run a play that goes for 75 yards and a touchdown, which was, what, 65 yards after the catch? Untouched? Yeah. I mean, to me— 75-yard touchdown. Right. We never saw that last year. Yeah, you can't— We never saw them give up that big play. The other thing, too, Joe— it's just defensively, I thought Jim Shorts. I mean, bottom line, the front four was not getting home. So you had to do something different. When the front four is not getting home, you have to blitz some people. You have to maybe send a corner, put some safeties in the box. You have to do. The problem is, you know, their corners, I mean, they were so worried about the Buccaneers' speed on the outside with Sean Jackson and the talent of Mike Evans. They were playing like, 12 yards off. I mean, one down was like, and the corners are playing 10 yards off the man. And it's like, that's like taking cannon from the baby in the NFL. If you play a 10-yard cushion off the line of service, and the other team only has to get six to eight yards, it's all they have to do is a quick kick route, easy going. It's a pitch and catch right to the outside. I just, I just thought they just didn't make any type of good adjustment. Once that first play went down, they couldn't get anything going. And listen, I think a lot of times the defense feeds on the offense, and it just the defense wasn't making. And then he finally, you know, Malcolm Jenkins made that great strip, and finally got something going. But it just was too little, too late. And 
our offense at times. And, and here's the other thing. You know, you want to talk about where's Waldo? Where the hell was Dallas Goddard yesterday? Like, if you're that down on the receiving core, like they were throwing to a guy, Paul Perkins. I never even heard of Paul Perkins. Didn't even know he was on the roster. And if I don't know where you went to college, then then there's something crazy. But <laughs> it was just very disappointing to see. You guys think to the Cats, yeah, you care of Atlanta, week one. Tampa Bay, you thought, and that's the other thing. You thought Tampa Bay might have a letdown. They just went into New Orleans and tattooed the scene, and they came out. And Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing like eight touchdowns and for 400 yards in two consecutive games. I mean, I don't know what the hell is going on right now. Yeah. I think, again, I, I don't know that they're ready to play. And whether that was overconfidence, whether that was whatever, they just didn't appear ready to go. And in the National Football League, if you're asleep at the wheel for a quarter or a half, it can come back to bite you. That game's 10 minutes longer. Yesterday, Eagles have a good chance to come back and win. They have so much talent that even when they weren't playing well, they were still in the game against the Bucs. I mean, look, for the longest time, that game was 7 nothing, even though the Bucs had better field position, what I thought was more snaps, you know, more opportunities. The Eagles weren't playing clean. Second and 40 or whatever it was. Like, the Eagles are playing sloppy football, yet their just overall talent as a team and their depth was keeping them in that game. And then they tie it, and they fall asleep at the wheel. You know, and and the other thing that really frustrated me is the way Doug Peterson handled the game. There is no reason. Let me repeat. There is no reason to go for that fourth down on the first drive of the freaking second half, okay? There's none. Not at midfield, not when they've put up 20 points on you already, and not when you don't have all of your weapons. Now, I know, you know, Zach Ertz, it looked like he got it, and I don't know why we never got a replay. I don't, but that was how the broadcast went. But to me, you play the long game. And the long game is it's four quarters of football. And if you believe in your football team that you're better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I don't care if it's 20-7. to You punt the football with your rookie punter, who, by the way, looks like a nice find. You pin the Buccaneers deep, and you force them to go 90 yards to go up 27-7. Okay? They do that, then maybe they take the wind out of your sails. But to turn it over on downs in that spot was too cocky for me. It was too arrogant for me. And what do you know? What did the Eagles lose by? Right? They were right there at the end. That touchdown was a huge touchdown. Now, I'll add this. I don't think Doug Peterson makes that call to go for it if your boy, Jake Elliott, hits that field goal at the end of the first half. Because if he hits that field goal, now it's 20-10. to 10, You're punting that ball on fourth down for sure right around midfield, I think anyway. So I'll give Peterson a little bit of a pass. The kicker missing the kick at the end of the first half maybe changed their idea going into halftime. They didn't have any momentum. All of a sudden, you're down 20. It's like, whoa, we got to get back into this game right away. But I still believe you play the long game. It is 60 minutes. You make the Tampa Bay Buccaneers prove that they're better than 60 minutes. You don't hand them seven points, essentially, by giving them a short field. You don't constantly put yourself in terrible positions by taking stupid penalty after stupid penalty to make it second and 40, where that's a lost series. I mean, the Eagles have to clean up some of these things that we saw, and this was carrying through the preseason as well. The lack of execution on offense, the penalties, and now the injuries are starting to take its toll. It's not panic mode. 
It's not doom and gloom. It's one game. They'll still win this division with their eyes closed. Carson Wentz is starting on Sunday. That'll give the team a boost. But it's just a very flat, disappointing performance for a team. This looked like the Eagles from that we're used to seeing, right? Where you never knew, like the Andy Reid era, where they look good one week, next week, you just didn't know. And that's kind of the sense. I just had that feel of a sloppy performance from a team that wasn't ready to play. And you would think they would be ready to play considering they had some extra right. days off. That's the other part that's out. frustrating. They had 10 days off. Yeah, exactly. You know, and they, and, and they didn't play that great against Atlanta. They snuck one out against a good team. I'll give them credit. They found a way to win. We talked about it. You and I off the air. Hey, they got the W. That's all that matters, 1-0. But then you have to be ready 10 days later in Tampa Bay. Especially, especially after you saw the tape. They lit the Falcons up, or the Saints up. If the if the Buccaneers yeah. came in 0-1, it's a trap game. They got beat by 30 in New Orleans, and you're asleep the first half. I get it. But that film should have shown you that they were ready to go. And so a disappointing sure. performance for sure. Um, Very legit. I mean, the question is, I yeah. have for you, you know, what? you're Howie Rosen right now. What do you do? Because you are massively deficient at wide receiver, especially now that Mike Wallace, you consider one of your starting wide receivers, he is pretty much gone for the season. Matt Collins is on, Matt Collins is on injured reserve. Alshon Jeffries still question marks. So you legitimately only have one wide receiver in the fold right now. Yeah, my with any type of you, with Joey. any type of experience. Yeah, but look, they, they, you, you know, you know that they, you know, they value Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, sort of like receivers. Although we didn't see it yesterday with Goddard, you know, they value Darren Sproles because of that. So I don't think they're going to push the panic button here. I don't think Josh Gordon should have been the answer. Clearly, he wasn't in their eyes for whatever reason, and it's certainly not Des Bryant. Okay, like give me a break. This Eagles team is good enough to win football games where they are right now at wide receiver. And I don't think they're good. Like, I, I get it. Don't don't get me but wrong here. Bryant, but it's Des Bryant better than anyone on the Yes, 100%. 100%. Okay. It's not even close. But sometimes you, you have... I'm going to take them all right. Sometimes you have to make those decisions, talent or character or whatever you want to call it, and the mix in between. And right now, it's so early in the season. You know, if this team finds its way into... Five and three going into the bye. There, there's no reason then to have been like, man, we, we could have used Des Bryant. That you just don't make those organizational decisions when you've worked so hard to build this culture and get the right people in place to make sure that culture exists. You don't then just throw it all out the window because of a loss to the Buccaneers or the fact that, you know, Mike Wallace, your third or fourth ride receiver, is done for the year. Now, yes, does Alshon's you know, return, that questionable return, does that stink? Yes, because you, we as fans don't know when he's coming back. The organization probably has an idea. I would hope they do. We don't know. And so obviously you want to overreact. But at some point, Alshon will be back with Aguilar on the upswing as we've seen and the weapons they have at running back and tight end. I think this team is fine. They're no different. I mean, let's let's look at last year. Torrey Smith and Alshon Jeffrey. Okay? Matt Collins contributed at times. I'm pretty sure Shelton Gibson can be that guy. So let's call Hollins and Gibson a wash. So now you're without Torrey Smith, who was supposed to be Mike Wallace, but he's done, and no Alshon. And I know in a position group where you have five or six to lose a third of it's big, but I don't think that the panic button needs to be pushed yet. If the, if the right trade is out there and you don't have to give up a lot to get a guy that's serviceable and has experience, I'd make the move. 
But then you have to factor in scheme and adjustment to the system and all those sorts of things. It takes time. I really think right now they're going to get a boost from Wentz, start to run the football. We're supposed to have the best offensive line in football. I didn't see much of a running game at all. No consistent running game, except for the goal line series where the clock was winding down and they consistently pounded it right up the middle of the jive. By the way, I thought he was going to get in on third down there. Like, when they stopped him the first two, part of me was like, just run again. There's no way in hell they stop him again. But the Buccaneers came to play, man. They made open field tackles. They rarely missed tackles. And the offensive line just didn't get it done from a road, uh, a run-blocking perspective consistently enough in that game. Big was under duress a lot of the game. Yeah. There's no question and that, about And look, and that's part play. of the reason why I'm surprised that they've given the green light to Wentz. Because the way that yeah. Foles got battered yesterday by the Buccaneers has me slightly concerned that Wentz is going to be running for his life against the Colts. And I don't know anything about the Colts' defense. I haven't looked that far ahead yet. I know the game will be home, at home. You get some advantages there. But the O-line's got to get its confidence back again. In one short week, that confidence appeared to be MIA. I know everybody wants to bash Vitae. Can we just remember for a second that Big V played about as perfect as a game as you could play in the freaking Super Bowl? Can we just remember that for a second before everybody wants to start trashing the guy? Okay? Yeah. Anyway, that's what I got. That's what I got on the birds. It's turn the page. It's one loss. Again, if February hadn't happened, the, the city would be imploding. But you have to remember, <laughs> Super Bowl champions. I'm going to have a little bit more reserve before I start smashing flat screens this year. Not much. Not much more. Just a little bit more patience with this football team because I think we've seen the talents in place. We think they're as talented or more talented than they were last year when they won it all. So I'm going to give this thing some time. Last year they were 1-1, one and one, end up going 13-3. and three. I will calm myself down after being very disappointed with the way they prepared and the and that soft factor I thought I saw and just know that this, this is a group of guys that when pushed up against the wall last year, they played their best football. It's a big game coming up Sunday at the link. I think they'll be ready. I think they'll be ready. I think the injection with Carson, I think he pegged it. Um, he's just going to make everyone around him better. Um, and he's somewhat mobile, unlike Nick, who is just not mobile at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they'll be ready. And listen, this could serve as just a wonderful, beautiful wake-up call. The team gets absolutely destroyed on the road. Um, and they did so show some fight to come back and put themselves back in the football game. So that was good to see. They didn't quit like Vontae Davis at halftime from the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> um, but but it's just, you just, <laughs> the, the only scary thing I see is in some group, position groups, it, it, the depth is a little alarming. Here I saw maybe linebacking or the linebacking core was going to be you know, the least amount of depth. But looking at the wide receivers and looking um, at the defensive backs, it's it's a little scary right now. But I still think that – I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I, I think they should make the change, man. I want to see Sidney Jones on the outside. I just want to see – just want to see what he can do because he has elite speed. He's physical. He's not afraid to come up and tackle. And he's definitely a first-round tackle. So – We'll see what they do. I'm not killing Jalen Mills. Listen, everyone has a say. I get it. But he just got completely roasted. I mean, he just completely – and he just doesn't – he just doesn't have the speed. I mean, I think he would be more suited better 
you know, if they move on from like Ryan McLeod, maybe even to move him back and make him a safety at some point in his career. But yeah. we'll see. Anyway. All right, uh, you mentioned Vontae Davis. We might as well jump there. One of the more interesting stories you'll see in a long time. And, and to be quite honest, I haven't even read up that much on it. Um, but the two-time Pro Bowl cornerback, Vontae Davis, legitimately quit football at halftime yesterday against the L.A. Chargers. He's now with the Buffalo Bills, spent six years with the Indianapolis Colts, and uh, he left at halftime. He pulled himself out of the game, according to Sean McDermott, the former Eagles coordinator, Bills head coach. And uh, McDermott's quote was, pulled himself out of the game. He communicated to us that he was done, end quote. Um, yeah. So Davis, of course, went on Twitter with a statement, said, quote, this isn't how I pictured retiring from the NFL, but today on the field, reality hit me and hard. I shouldn't be out there anymore, end quote. Are the Bills this much of a grease fire that forced Vontae Davis out of football? Where do you come out on this? What, what, where's the other shoe to drop in this whole thing? Well, first of all, it's just, you know, he can talk about it. He didn't want to disrespect the team. But you just can't, you can't quit mid-game. I mean, you want to retire after the game. You want to tell your coaches, like, listen, I think you guys would better serve if you put someone in my place. I just don't have it today. I mean, at least the players coming to you and telling you that, as opposed to him just not even caring about his play. But he's kind of battled injuries late in his career, and I just maybe he's just not in love with football anymore. But it was just such a despicable move on his part to quit at halftime. You know, go in halftime, take all your pads, you know, your uniform off, next thing you know, you're going to dress in a suit, like, all right, close, good luck in the second half. You owe it to the coaches, you owe it to your teammates to finish, and he didn't do that. And the crazy thing is, he was a good player, like you said, two-time Bowler at one point, and he's got a brother, Vernon Davis, who's in the league, but this is probably how this guy's always going to be remembered. Is he's the guy that quit on his football team at halftime? So it was twenty-eight to six Chargers at the half, and we know the right. Bills got smoked in Week One. Right. I don't know if he overreacted, but you're right. Probably the in hindsight, the thing to do was tell the training staff, you know, hamstrings acting up, and pull the shoot yeah. that way. I mean, if he was scared, yeah. if he was scared for some reason that. He was going to get hurt. He was going to take one more hit to the head where he was just like, you know what, I, I don't want to get dinged again the rest of my life and going back on the field jeopardizes me of that. Maybe, you know, you just say, hey, my hamstring, I, I can't I can't get it loose for the second. And he just stands on the sidelines, you know, and yeah. then he retires today. Would that have been the right. most honest thing? I guess you got to give him props for his honesty, for Christ's yeah, sake. But... The other thing is, like, what, what do they do with his game check? Right. You know, I've heard because he left at halftime retired that he will not get paid for the game. So it'll be interesting. Why not that? Why, why can't really, they just cut it in half? Yeah. Literally. They, you they know, just grab it. a pair of scissors, just cut that check right in half. Don't <laughs> tell him to beat it, it. it. It was It was just, I mean, around the NFL, it was ridiculous. I mean, there were two kickers that found themselves on the unemployment line this morning. The Cleveland kicker, <laughs> you had to feel bad for the guy. But my God. I mean, you have one job to, to, to kick a field goal and some extra points. Minnesota, they just signed Dan Daly. They got rid of their kicker. Yeah, two ties in the National Football League in consecutive weeks. I mean, it's just been crazy. Yeah, just and that's been. why the NFL 
is top dog, man, because these stories will kind of, I don't want to say come out of nowhere, but you're not expecting them, yeah. and then, you know, it's the talk yeah. of the day. Wow, did you see that guy retired? Did you see, you know, the two right. ties, the kickers getting released? I mean, that's what makes the NFL great is that these stories that in other sports either don't occur or might not be that big of a deal. They become water cooler talk all across the country. Yeah. So. Well, the other thing is, too, that, I, that I've seen, too, with this is that the protection of quarterbacks. Hmm. Some of these personal fouls that are being called on the defenders, like there was an egregious call in the Green Bay, yeah. Minnesota. Clay, Matthew, uh, Clay Matthews Clay and Kirk Matthews, Cousins, and it was a clean hit. It was a clean hit. It's not like he picked him up and piled drive into the ground. I mean, he released the football. He got immediate. He got hit immediately. Clay Matthews' head was on the side of Kirk Cousins' body, and he landed hard on top of him. But I mean, these guys have to be saying to themselves, "But what? What else can we do? You know, what else? It's not like you can make the, the quarterback put him in a red pinning during a regular season, right? That's not the way the, the way the game is played. And then that's just the protection. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you. I think they did a nice job yesterday with Cam Newton. He slid yesterday. This guy came spearing with his helmet, helmet to helmet, crunched him. They were able to throw him out of the football game. That's what the rule was meant to do, something like that. But these roughing the passers where guys are, linebackers are making clean hits on quarterback, and they're just, of course they're going to get, it's going to look like he's getting driven hard because it's like a 250 to 300 pound. Human thinking landing on someone. Right, coming you know in full I mean? speed, I, yeah. Coming in full speed. There's not, Listen, there's no way to put these guys down softly, right? And if you try to be soft with your approach, whereas many of these players right now, they're questioning themselves, you know, how physical can I be? Am I going to get flagged? I mean, you know, it's just crazy. And um, so the league, I, I just, you know, they got to stop at the rules a little bit. I mean, I know they're trying to improve the game, make it a lot safer. That's the big emphasis over the last couple of years, especially with all the stuff going on with concussions and CTE. But, I mean, let's just keep the game as football and not turn it into flag football at some point. That's all I'll say. I got one more question for you before we wrap this up, John Mita, because I can't talk about the Phillies sure. today. They'll, they'll make me sick to my stomach. We'll, we'll, we'll bury oh, the Phillies yeah. with a uh, – with yeah. a, a, a eulogy. We'll have to play the song Taps. Yeah, some later date. Um, they just exactly. clearly weren't good enough or ran out of steam or both or whatever. But, uh, again, we'll get there when, when the season's all said and done because you can put a fork in those fighting fills. But you, I want I want your expectations for Carson Wentz Sunday against the Colts. Give me the stat line. Give me whatever your, your, your gut, your vibe tells you about Wentz and his <laughs> first game coming Sunday. Bottom line is, What's a quarterback's best friend? Okay, running the football. So get Clement some more touches. I don't know what a giant status is going to be, but try to dedicate yourself a little more to the run and only make Carson throw the ball between 20 and 25 times a game, and I think we'll be fine. Me, out of them, I see him throwing two touchdowns. Uh, I'm, think, I'm thinking he'll throw for 270 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Right. Completion-wise, I think he'll go – you see, he throws the ball 30 times. He's going to be 23 or 31 or something like that. What do you like that? My expectation oh. is is that infused energy, right? The crowd's going to be jacked up. The players are going to rally around it. He'll make a spectacular play or two if it's a scramble, a rollout, a deep ball, whatever, that's going to get everybody going. 
the sideline's going to feel it. They'll feel it this week in practice. It'll be the easy elixir to kind of to smooth over this loss uh, against the Buccaneers. However, I just I I'm hoping he doesn't overdo it. I'm hoping he doesn't try and be the hero. I'm hoping he doesn't try to force passes. I'm hoping he can kind of stay within himself. It's going to be hard. The kid's going to be jacked up. We got to remember he's still a kid. Um, he's still a growing quarterback. We look at him as this goat status, this unbelievable. He still has a ton to prove, and it starts Sunday. And so with that, I just hope he plays within himself but brings that energy, that passion, and his teammates will rally around him. And I expect a good performance for sure because he's that talented and you know he's putting the homework. He's not missing me. You know, he's he's in the meetings. And I think yeah. he's going to make some plays Sunday. I think it's going to be a, high, a couple of highlight real plays, but overall I just hope he stays within himself. Don't turn the ball over. Let's get a W at home because we're so the birds have been so dominant there the last couple of years. Get back on track at two and one and go from there. And I'm with you. And I think the other thing too is you, you know you, you discuss you talk about playing within himself. The other the other caveat to that to that statement is also he needs to protect himself. You know what I mean? So like don't take that big hit if you can get out of bounds. You're on the scramble. Do it. Don't hold the ball too long. Try to throw it out of bounds. If you have nothing going, just be smart and protect yourself. Amen. And again, the coaches can put him in those spots. That's the biggest key. Correct. Peterson not Absolutely. getting all amped up. He's not getting the old, uh, you know, he's not getting too excited on the sidelines there with Philly Philly 3.0. Let's just stay within the game plan. Use the weapons that are available due to injury and whatever. Play the field position game. And hopefully the defense steps up, can shut down Andrew Luck and company. Absolutely. All right, brother. No doubt. So two and one, that's what we're looking forward to. Next time we'll be joining you, hoping the Birds are game over 500, back on track, staying atop the NFC East. Always a pleasure, my man. Yep, always, Joe. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it. Start the hiatus. People are busy, but we're, we're going to keep bringing it as much as we can during this season, and uh, we're going to try to get some more guests lined up. All right, for John Mita, Joe O'Donnell, appreciate everybody tuning in. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. So next time, we'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.